Psalm 13, beginning in verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear in pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. This is the true word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Andrea. I'm a part of the pastoral team here at Christ City Church. And um, I'm excited to be with you this morning. Um, we're more than halfway through a 12-week church-wide series. It's called Learning to Live. And we've been walking through um, this curriculum, also called Learning to Live, that Justin wrote. And we've been doing that on Sundays together. And we've been doing that in our small groups every week. If you're new, we hope that you'll just jump in and join us. But we, we started in the beginning of this by looking at uh, Jesus' invitation for us, to us, to follow him, to learn to live as he did, to learn to live as he would if he were in our place. We've walked through our own stories. We've walked through God's story. We've talked about how those interact with one another. Last week, Justin talked about the importance and significance of prayer as a part of our lives. And this week, we are going to tackle a super fun one, overcoming and enduring. How to overcome and how to endure. When we laid out the preaching schedule uh, for learning to live, this was the one week I very specifically did not want to get. <laughs> so you can see how that worked out. Um, talking about hardship and suffering and why it happens, its significance is complicated, it's hard. Um, I don't want to have to dive into it. And to be quite honest with you, I am the worst at overcoming and enduring. Like, you don't want me in a race with you. You don't want that because I will just stop. I'll just quit at some point. So how do you endure? You don't. <laughs> that's, that's how do you overcome? You quit. Like, that's just, you know, quit while you're ahead. That's, that's, really, um, that's really how I feel. So... This week has been interesting, um, looking at and considering how we endure things, how we overcome. As a note, pray for your preachers, y'all. Pray for your preachers. Walking through, preparing in any given week to preach is like lifting a very heavy load up a very steep, very tall, very long mountain that sometimes feels like it's worth it and sometimes feels like it doesn't, let's just be real. When it pops into your mind during the week, pray for your preachers. Um, that's just a personal note, pray for them. You can pray for me right now, like while you're sitting listening to me, just pray for your preachers. Um, it's, a, it's a load, it's a, it's a burden um, that we steward and that we, that we also bear. So one of the things that I think I've, I've really had to accept about faith 
my faith life in the past couple of years is the lack of consistently solid answers. It's terrible. There, there are legitimately gray parts of faith and of life that will just always be gray all the time. I hate that. I've had to accept my inability to internalize like all the right answers, even about God. Like there's stuff that I'm just never gonna know, that we will just never know. I didn't grow up in a tradition that embraced the mystery of God. I very much grew up in a tradition where you like had an answer for every question because that was how you convinced people that God was real, was that like you had an argumentative answer. And I'm not completely just criticizing that, but there, is no, there was no room there for me to say, I don't know, or I will never know, or this is a part of embracing the mystery of God. So this is hard for me. I don't like gray at all. I mean, I'm wearing gray. I don't like gray, <laughs> proverbially. But this is the life that we've been called to walk into, right? It's, it's full of mystery. It's full of complicated things that we don't understand. We've been called to live in a kingdom that's here, but it's not completely here. The kingdom of God has already arrived and, and also not yet arrived. It's like we're holding on to two realities. There's what we see, and then there's the promise of what we hope for. We, we hold them both. We know that we have victory in Jesus, that Jesus has overcome death and overcome sin and evil, and yet we still endure these things. So the life, the life that we're learning to live is from Jesus and in Jesus. John 1 says that what has come into being in him was life, and that life was the light of all people. We sit and we look forward expectantly to the day described in Revelation 21 when the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God is its light and the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and there will be no night there. We know that there's a light that shines in the darkness, in our darkness, but right now there is darkness and the darkness is very real. We do live in the kingdom of God that's here, but it's also not yet here. It's, it's both. We can see the kingdom, but we also live with the reality of sin and hardship and despair all around us and even in us. The light is real, but so is the darkness. The life that we're called to live in God is not unopposed. It's being pushed back against. I think it's hard to talk about seeing the kingdom of God where God rules, where God's ways prosper in all life and in every sphere of life when the reality of darkness is all around us. There's poverty, oppression, abuse, greed, injustice, evil. This is the reality that we live in. How then do we live with it? How do we live amongst that? How do we live knowing that we have an adversary, that we face opposition and will continue to face opposition? How do we do that while also knowing that what has come into being in him was life and the life was the light of all people and that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it? How do we hold those? This is the question that we're wrestling with this week. Super easy and fun, I told you. I feel completely unqualified to be preaching this today. I feel that way most weeks, but very especially today. 
Um, there are so many of you here that have walked through and are still walking through really hard seasons. Um, and we have a lot to learn from you in the way that you're bearing your burden so gracefully. Um, we have a lot to learn about overcoming and enduring. I do not know how to do it. I, I don't know. It's complicated. There are no easy answers. If anybody tries to give you an easy answer, run. There are just things that we can never fully get our minds around, but we're still called to overcome and to endure. So this week in your books, in your Learning to Live book and in your small groups, we're going to be looking at a few, just a few, there's a lot, but a few of the things that we are called to overcome and we're called to endure. So we're going to look at sin this week, how it affects us internally and externally, how sin can be incredibly damaging at both an individual level and at a systemic level, and how sin very specifically stands in resistance to the life that God offers us. We'll look at self, how we fall into this trap of viewing ourselves one of two ways. We either think too much of ourselves or not enough of ourselves. And neither of those perspectives accurately reflect the image of God within us. This week we'll talk about Satan, the personification of our opposition, the adversary, the accuser, the enemy, the unholy spirit, the one that sows lies and half-truths in order to keep us from living a full life. Sin, self, and Satan are things that we actively try to overcome. We're also going to look at suffering, <laughs> one of the hardest concepts to reconcile with a good God who, de who desires that we live a full life. Suffering is one of the effects of sin. It's experienced by everybody in one way or another. The last day of the week talks about scars. And scars are hard because while they do exist as a testament to some kind of healing, they never fully go away. We can continue to live with the effects of hard things even after they've healed. And suffering and scars are ours to endure. So these are some of the things that you're going to be looking at and thinking about this week. So how, how do we overcome these things? How do we endure? Again, I honestly do not know. Um, I'm not sure that we're going to end up with some solid answers by the end of the week. Spoiler alert. Um, I was telling my girls that I was preaching this week and um, that I was preaching about overcoming and enduring. And I asked them what they thought people needed to hear about overcoming things, like overcoming suffering, you know, like advice. What do you think people need to hear? And Jolie, my almost 10-year-old, she thinks about it for a minute. And she goes, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> so you can all consider yourselves uh, Nike'd by a 10-year-old. <laughs> just do it, okay? I was like, that's a fair, that's fair. Um, no, that's not it. But uh, there's, so much that, there's so much that we don't know about overcoming and enduring. And, and honestly, this just do it mentality um, is also not the healthy one. It's not just, you know, grit your teeth and bear it. Um, that, that's not it either. I had a couple of different thoughts on, uh, on how to preach this this week. But I kept feeling like, um, like it was full of platitudes. Um, and I, I just can't get up here and do that. <laughs> Um, I, I got to preach what I know. Um, I, I mean, we could debate the theological reasons behind suffering 
or spend several hours <laughs> unpacking psychological health or our opinions on Satan or we could share our scars with one another. I mean, I hope you do some of that this week um, in your small groups. But knowing, knowing that our time is limited this morning, what I'd like for us to do today is to look at a practice. So as we're learning through our curriculum, spiritual practices don't make up our faith life completely, but they do enable us to have a framework for faith, kind of like anchors sometimes. For us to overcome and endure continually, we need to have sustaining practices. That's one thing we do know. That's one thing we can agree on. So today, we're gonna be looking at the practice of lament. So lament, or a lamentation, is, is basically a type of prayer that expresses grief, pain, or sorrow. In the Bible, we find the greatest number of lament prayers in the book of Psalms. Um, over a third of the 150 Psalms are laments. Laments are, are sort of, they're at the opposite end of the spectrum from hymns of praise. But together, they cover the entirety of human experience. Hymns of praise tell one side of the coin, but there is another. So we hold those together. I, I think it comes up a lot that our tendency is to, um, to bury or ignore our emotions when they are not joyful. Lament is not something that we practice regularly as a culture here in the US. Um, that includes church. We don't lament. We tend to hide our emotions uh, rather than expressing them. We actively try to distract ourselves from them run from them, just pretend like they don't exist. When difficult circumstances come, we're likely to seek out, you know, like um, false saviors to rescue us. So we'll bury ourselves on our work, or we'll just continually try to be entertaining ourselves. We do whatever we can to avoid it. We attempt to control our circumstances, to make changes ourselves without having to accept what's going on. Basically, we do a lot to avoid facing that kind of pain. The practice of lament does not allow us to do that. It doesn't allow us to avoid sin, to avoid ourselves, to gloss over suffering. Lament gives us the opportunity, the opportunity to acknowledge truth. So when we, when we sing hymns of praise to God, on this end of the spectrum, we're proclaiming truth about who God is. When we lament, we're also proclaiming truth. We're proclaiming the truth about the realities that we're in. And both of those are important. In the midst of suffering, we're able to bring our fiercest thoughts and our most raw emotions to God. And lament gives us a model of how to do that. So our scripture today that Watson read is Psalm 13. And that's what we're going to walk through a little bit today. We're going to be looking at it as a model, a basic model of lament. So let's read it. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I'm shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. 
My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I think we can learn a lot from the structure and the components of a lament psalm like, like Psalm 13. So in the Psalms, laments typically follow a, a basic structure. Um, so there's um, a, a, a section of protest. It begins with a protest, petition, and then praise. That's the most basic structure. And we can see this structure in Psalm 13. Protest is telling God what's wrong. It's expressing the pain, the hurt, the exhaustion of enduring. How long, Lord? There's pain in my soul. There's sorrow in my heart. To protest. Then to petition is to tell God what you want God to do. Answer me, God. Show me what to do. Do this or I will die. We petition God. And then the psalm ends in praise. I trust you. I rejoice in your salvation. Praise. Through the the psalmist's journey, I think that there are ways that practicing lament instructs us how to overcome and how to endure the things that we face. So I'm going to We're gonna walk through just three of those things. What we do to overcome and to endure in the practice of lament. So the first thing that we have to do that lament teaches us is that we have to lay it out. We have to lay it out. I was reading um, a blog article this week about um, what they were calling a prayer voice. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a, a, a specific voice that we use no other time except for when we pray. Like it can be a certain tone or like a vocal posture or there, I feel like there's prayer vocabulary that you literally don't use anywhere else in your life just in prayer. It's like the person you know that is the loudest person, most boisterous person that you know, and then when they start to pray, their voice is like, dear God, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Or when you're like having dinner with your friend and somebody says something funny like right before the blessing and you're laughing and then immediately it goes from laughing to dead seriousness, like no, that was joke dear God you know what I mean there's a prayer it's the prayer voice now I'm not here to criticize anybody's prayer voice I definitely have one (laughs) Um, but where did we get that from where did we get our prayer voices at some point there's been an expectation that we can only talk to God a certain way or about certain things it's the prayer voice God actually does not limit what we can or cannot say in our prayers or how we bring our prayers. God is our heavenly parent. My kids definitely tell me when something great happens to them or to like say thank you when um, I've, I've helped them with something or done something for them, sure. But they also come to me when they are very angry, typically at one another, or when they're crying because they're hurting, like they have a splinter in their foot. The first thing that they do is come to me as their parent. Why should that be different with God? The analogy in scripture of God as a heavenly parent, it's not different. To lament is to lay it out, to lay it all out. Verses one and two of Psalm 13 model this for us. In order to do this, we have to face our feelings of pain and of sorrow, of hurt, of exhaustion, and allow them to be expressed. And I think it's important 
to, to say that in lament, we're not just like letting our emotions go wild, though God can handle that. Lament is a means of bringing our wild emotions to God. How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? We name our emotions, we name our feelings, our experiences, and we lay them before God. I think it's also important to say here that, that sometimes, a lot of the time, we're, we're unable to do this by ourselves. When we're facing hardship, when we're suffering, when we're facing mental health issues, lament is an important part of the process, yes. But professional help is also necessary and good. Lamenting, a lamenting prayer and therapy are not mutually exclusive. I wanna put that out there. Learning to face our emotions is a difficult process. We need to seek all the help we get even as we lament. I'm starting therapy for the first time this year in my whole life. I don't want to, thank you for that, but I don't want to. <laughs> I, I've been, I realize that I've been lamenting some experiences and feelings for a good while now, um, and I realize that I, I can't fully name them, I can't fully express them on my own. And in order for me to truly lay them before God, I need to face them. When we lay it all out, we bring our feelings, our expressions, we bring them to God. The, another thing that we do when we lay it out is that we acknowledge that we have opposition, that there is an adversary, that there are forces that push against us and our efforts to live like Jesus Verse two, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? There's an enemy, there's a force that's working against us. These verses also offer complaints to God about God. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? It is right for us to ask God what is going on. It's like we think that questioning God is out of the question. Like it means, when we question, it means that we're straying from or abandoning faith. But it's actually the opposite thing. The act of bringing these emotions, these desires, these doubts, these questions to God is itself an act of faith. We've gotta get rid of our prayer voices. We have to lay out our experiences before the Lord. Lay them out. So this, the second thing, if we're going to continue to overcome, we're going to endure, is we have to let others in. So the book of Psalms, including the Psalms of Lament, were meant to be used and were used in corporate worship gatherings. I feel like that feels funny because so many of them feel so intimate um, and private, but they were meant to be used in corporate worship gatherings, not just as individual private prayers. Some of the lament psalms are actually communal laments, like they use corporate language, like we or us. So like Psalm 44, O Lord, do not cast us off forever. Why do you forget our affliction and our oppression? Overcoming and enduring the things that we face does not happen without others. A few years ago, I was in the middle of a particularly hard season um, in which I felt I had no control I was watching someone I love get knocked over by wave after wave of hardship, and I felt completely helpless for them. And after one particularly hard day, 
and a very uh, unexpected blow on this particular day, I happened to be in my car and just broke down, completely broke down, like out of despair. I remember calling Nikki and somehow, I do not know how she understood me because I was weeping. I think she just heard it and was like, where are you? Let me find you on my GPS on my phone. I don't know. But a few minutes later, I see her car pull up behind my car. It was on 4th Street. <laughs> and I got, I got out of the car. I got in her car. And I just laid my, myself over the console in her lap and just wept. And we lamented together that day. It was a terrible day. Ooh, that day was bad. But it was so affirming for me, for her to lament with me, to proclaim with me together that this is not right. We are angry this is happening. We need other people to help us shoulder that load, to overcome the barriers placed in front of us, to go to bat for us when we're exhausted. In the book of Exodus chapter 17, there's a story about Moses and the Israelites in a battle. So Joshua went, goes down to fight. Moses stays at the top of a hill with his hands raised. This is Exodus 17, 11. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands one on one side, the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the sunset, and Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the sword. When we stand in solidarity with others, we take on their battle to overcome, their battle to endure as our own. We hold each other's arms up when we're tired, and we hold each other's heads in our laps when we cry. It's more than telling each other we're just sorry for what's happening, though that's important. But it's more than that. We join in the lament. We lament together. Things are not as they should be. God, may your kingdom come. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. We remind each other that God is with you, and so am I. And in this we overcome. In this we endure. To lament is to let others in to walk with you. To lament together. The last thing that this Psalm of Lament teaches us about overcoming and enduring is to look for God. The petition section of the lament is about telling God what we want, what we want God to do. Consider and answer me, Lord my God. The psalmist is asking God to show up. But, the, but lament psalms don't end there. Verse 5, but I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. The psalmist asks God to show up and then looks for God's movement expectantly. In lament, we're given permission to hope. We're, we are to look for the kingdom wherever we can find it. Sometimes it's in the change of a circumstance. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes it's a change in us. But God is always present. God mourns with us in our suffering. God frees us from sin. Our adversary is also God's adversary. It is God who knows our true selves. It's God who transforms our scars. 
This is what we are reminded of when we lament. If we're going to overcome, if we're going to endure, we have to go through the journey of looking at ourselves and our situation from there to looking at God through lament. And it's important that there's a structure to lament. We don't like skip right to the praise trust part. At the end, there is a structure. Our feelings of experience need to be expressed. I think we know, at least I know, if, if we bury our feelings for a time, they will pop up at some point, likely in a destructive way. Amen? Yes. Lament gives us a constructive framework for expressing our feelings and our complaints to God. It, I mean, it is interesting that almost all of the lament psalms end on this like sudden turn to praise. It seems like this is telling us that it's only after we lament, it's only after we face and express the pain, the hurt, it's only after that that healing can begin. Lament shows us that facing death, experiencing death is actually what comes before resurrection. That's what comes before new life. Following the journey of a lament psalm as a model for overcoming and enduring can be helpful for us as we discern how to respond to the situations and circumstances that we find ourselves in, how to correct our gaze, how to readjust our posture when we face hard things. Again, I want to make really clear, lament in itself does not solve our problems. It's meant to give us a framework to process what's happening to us alongside other things like community or counseling. I want to encourage you this week as we talk about these things that we face that must be overcome and endured to consider this practice, to consider the practice of lament. And you can do this in a couple of ways. You can choose a lament psalm from the Bible. You can start with Psalm 13 and simply read it in prayer to the Lord. Make it yours. You could choose to take a lament psalm from the Bible and reword it based on your current circumstances. Maybe the enemies that you're crying out to God aren't human beings, but maybe they're circumstances. Maybe it's depression, maybe it's loss. Maybe it's systemic injustice. Adapt the psalmist's words to reflect what you're facing. You could also write a lament psalm completely on your own. You can just follow the structure of a lament psalm. You tell God what's wrong. Tell God what you want him to do about it. And then as much as you can, offer an expression of trust or a reminder to yourself of who God is. You can consider sharing this with a friend or with your small group as an invitation to join you in lamenting. Things are not right, friends. I think that we can agree on that. They're not as they should be. There are things that we face that feel completely overwhelming. We don't even know where to begin. And my prayer for us today is that our laments lead us to hope. And in that hope, there's nothing that we cannot overcome or endure. The darkness we face is very real, but it cannot overcome the light. Lord, have mercy.
Let's pray together. God, for the things that we're carrying with us today, for the ways that we are lamenting privately, um, maybe nobody knows, we lift it to you, God, and we ask you to have mercy. For the ways that our hearts are heavy, oh God, for the things that just the unimaginably heavy things that, are, that I know are being carried and shouldered right this second in this room. God, on, we ask together as a community that you show up. Help us to not be afraid of our feelings. Help us to be honest with you, God, to be honest with ourselves. We lament to you, God, that things are not as they should be, that there are hard things. We acknowledge that you don't like them either. And we ask, God, in your power, that you would come, that your presence would be here, that your presence would be in the things that are wrong, and that they would be transformed. God, as much as we can, we trust you. We know you are all-powerful. We know that you are with us all the time. Help us to remember, God. Thank you that we can bring these things to you.